If you have your Bibles, um, I'm going to tell you to turn to Lamentations, but about half of you will get lost. <laughs> so we printed Lamentations for you. But those of you that want to go on a little journey, look for the book Lamentations. It's in the Old Testament. And if you can't find it on the back of your bulletin, I've got it all written out for you, and you can follow along uh, on your sermon notes today. We're going to start a brand new series called uh, Hymns for Hope, Help, and Healing. And it's going to be a year-long series through the hymns of the church. Many songs that you have sung for years and years, and you don't know why you like it, but it just does something for you. And we're going to find out, uh, most importantly, the stories behind the hymns. See, the reason that the hymns speak to us is because behind every hymn, there's a story. Now, let me give you just a little bit of history on, on, on how this on how this happened. On, on September 14th, you know my son Austin was in a traumatic accident. And when we got down to Miami, on September 14th, we had no clue what we were in store for. It's been 114 days today. My son was in ICU, and I had to make a decision down at Jackson South Memorial Hospital that I was going to fill my spirit with songs that were going to lift me up. I didn't plan this. But in God's grace and God's mercy, I made the decision that, that, that I, I wasn't going to listen to radio. I like to listen to jazz. In fact, when I'm writing and I'm working on my sermons or writing books, you'd be surprised to know that a lot of times I, you'll come into my office here at the church and there'll be just what I call smooth jazz. But on September 14th, 2019, I fell back. I defaulted to something that I needed and I knew was going to lift me up. And it wasn't the radio. It wasn't smooth jazz. It wasn't Z88.3. I made a decision that I was going to fill my spirit with the hymns of the church. I can't explain it. I don't know why. You would have thought that I would have been knee-deep in my Bible, and I was. We received hundreds of cards, scriptures, Bible verses, and I'm so appreciative of those verses and those Bible verses and the cards and the letters. 
But the thing that kept me alive was the hymns of the church and for 40 days straight I listened to nothing but the gospel hymns of the church. 40 straight days. I would walk in that ICU room and I'd put my headset on and I would hear songs that were lifting my spirits. Realizing that behind every song there's a story. That these men and these women that wrote the hymns of the church, they were writing these hymns out of pain, out of heartache, out of desperation, out of, out of hope. Beautiful songs that I can't explain it. It just lifted my heart and lifted my spirit. I didn't listen to ABC News. I didn't listen to CNN. I wasn't concerned about what Sean Hannity was saying. I was filling my spirit with the hymns of the church. And every day, as I'm sitting in that ICU room with my son, Austin George, on life support, I would sit down behind his bed and I would get my Bible out and I would get my pen out and I would write the hymns of the church. And I listen to them every day for 40 days. I can't explain it. Didn't plan for it. Didn't think that would ever happen. But I am so very glad that I was able to go back and be inspired and be lifted up by men and women of the faith that have written beautiful songs to help you and to help me. In 2020, as we approach this new year, we're going to need help. We're going to need hope. We're going to need healing. And as a church, we're just going to, we're not going to throw out the songs that we sing today. That song we sang a few minutes ago, Raise a Hallelujah. Can I tell you? Aaron is my witness. We sang that song in Austin's room. You don't throw out the new to embrace the old. You've got to have both. There's nothing wrong with the beautiful songs that are written today. Raise a hallelujah. We sang that as a family. We surrounded his bed and prayed and sang. And it was a beautiful song. It lifts my spirits. I call them 7-Eleven songs. You sing seven words 11 times. There, there, there's nothing wrong with 7-Eleven songs. But when my son's life was on the line, I needed to hear all hail the power of Jesus' name. I needed to hear great is thy faithfulness. I needed to hear the old rugged cross and those words lifted my spirits. And so I, I made an executive decision that as a church, we're just going to go through this year beautiful songs of the church. And we're going to be lifted and inspired for help, hope, and healing. Can I get an amen? amen. So the first hymn that we're going to look at today is called Great is Thy Faithfulness. And it's, it's taken out of an Old Testament scripture in Lamentations. The word there, Lamentations, means to lament. 
It means to be filled with sorrow, filled with regret, filled with mourning, filled with grief. It was written by Jeremiah. By the way, Jeremiah's name means God has appointed. And Jeremiah was appointed to be the prophet in a time when Jerusalem had been taken over by the Babylonians, and they were faced with incredible heartache, hardship, pain, and suffering. And it's out of this that the Lamentations was written. And if you go back really to the original language, Lamentations actually means how. God, how did this take place? How in the world are we here? How in the world did this happen? How in the world did this take place? Lamentations was birthed out of Jeremiah, the prophet, who was crying out saying, God, how did you let this happen? How did you let the Babylonians take us over? How did you allow the children of Israel to become so complacent, so cold, so hard-hearted? How did we get here? And chances are in the year 2020, you're going to ask that same question. How? How am I here? Why am I here? What's going on? What is taking place? And so the prophet Jeremiah is lamenting. He's in pain. He's in sorrow. He's in grief. And he's asking God, how did we get here? Why are we going through this? What in the world are you trying to teach me? And so it's birthed out of tremendous pain and lament. That's the phrase lamentations. Look in your notes just for a few moments. You begin to see the pain and the sorrow and the grief that Jeremiah is dealing with. And I'm going to give you real quickly three points today. How many are still with me? Let me hear an amen. amen. Number one, the first thing I want you to understand is that God's faithfulness is great when life is bad. God's faithfulness is great when life is bad. And life was bad for Jeremiah. Life was bad for the children of Israel. Life was bad for God's people as they were being overcome by the evil rulers of the Babylonians. Life was bad. And chances are, in 2019, you've had a taste of how sometimes life can be bad. There's popular t-shirts that were, that were, came out uh, in, in the 1980s and the 1990s, and, and I've got a few of them, and they're comfortable shirts. They're 100% cotton, and the phrase and the messaging is, life's good. How many of you have a life's good t-shirt? Anybody? Yeah. Boy, I like the shirts. They're comfortable. I believe in that phrase, life's good, but how many know that sometimes life's bad? And it can be hard. And Jeremiah is dealing with some hardship. He's dealing with some difficulty. He's dealing with some pain. He's dealing with some suffering as he watches the children of Israel being overtaken by the Babylonians. And what the first thing I want you to understand today as we go into today's message is this. God's faithfulness is great even when life is bad. Look in Lamentations chapter 3, and I want you to look at just for a few moments, and let's just dive down just for a couple minutes. I want you to experience the badness of what's going on here. So follow along with me, and let's look at number one. In verse 1, it says, uh, he says, I'm a man who has seen affliction. Circle that word affliction. Verse 2, he says, I have been driven away. He's made me walk in darkness rather than light. In verse 3, he says, 
He's turned his hand against me again and again all day long. How many know things are going pretty bad for Jeremiah? Verse 4, he says, My skin and my flesh grow old and my bones have been broken. Verse 5, he says, I've been besieged and surrounded with bitterness and hardship. Verse 6, he says, I've been made to dwell in darkness like those who are long dead. How many know things are pretty bad for Jeremiah? Verse 7, he said, he's walled me in. I can't escape. He's weighed me down with chains. Verse 8 says, I cry out for help, and he shuts out my prayer. Verse 9, he says, he's blocked my ways with stones, and my paths are crooked. Verse 11, he says, he's dragged me from the path and has mangled me and left me without hope. Verse 12, he drew his bow and made me to a target for his arrows. He's pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. Look at verse 14. I've become a laughingstock of all the people. They mock me all day long. Verse 15, he says, I've been filled with bitterness and herbs. Verse 16, he's broken my teeth with gravel and he's trampled me in the dust. How many are getting blessed? Let me hear an amen. <laughs> verse 17, he says, I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. God's faithfulness is great even when life is bad. Verse 18, he says, my splendor's gone and all that I'd hoped for from the Lord. Verse 19, he says, I remember my affliction and my wanderings and the bitterness in the gall. I remember them well and my soul is downcast within me. Watch this, church. God's faithfulness is great even when life is bad. And when I read this, I can relate just a little bit. When I was at Jackson South Memorial down in Miami, I was wondering, God, where are you? God, are you hearing my prayer? God, are you going to answer me? Life is not good right now, but guess what? Down deep in my heart of hearts, I knew that God's faithfulness was greater than my pain. God's faithfulness is great when life is bad. And chances are in the year 2020, some of you are going to taste just a little bit of what Jeremiah was talking about. You're going to go through a divorce. You're going to go through issues with your grandkids. You're going to have complexity on the job. And you're going to get a little bit of taste of what sometimes people say life can be bad and cruel. But in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your heartache, you've got to know down deep in your heart of heart that when, even when life is painful and hard, God's faithfulness is great. Can I get an amen? amen? Number two, when God's faithfulness is great, number one, when life is bad, but number two, God's faithfulness is great when we choose to remember his goodness. When we choose to remember his goodness. Look at verse 21. Jeremiah, in the midst of all this bad stuff, he says this. In the midst of all my badness, verse 21, yet I call this to mind, therefore I have hope. You see, Jeremiah makes a decision, and he says this. I'm going to choose to focus on God's goodness rather than than the badness that I'm dealing with. And it starts with a choice. 
Jeremiah chooses. He says, I can focus on all those bad things that's happening to me, but I'm going to turn around, and he uses the word yet. He says, I'm going to remember the goodness of God, and I'm going to focus on God's goodness. And when you're in the midst of hardship, you and I have got to make a decision. We've got to make a choice that we're going to focus on God's goodness, on God's greatness, and not on how bad life is. Can I get an amen? Now, I gave you something again this morning. I want you to get your Christmas gift out. I want everyone to get out the plate that Pastor Scott gave you today. I can tell that you are just absolutely overwhelmed with my generosity. Merry Christmas to everybody. I want you to get your plate out just for a moment. And I'm going to give you a beautiful life lesson that I learned down in Miami and I'm executing to this day. Every minute that we were going through this hardship, there were people coming at me. Decisions that had to be made. Things that seemed important that were coming at me, and they were coming every few minutes, and, and, and we were dealing with a crisis, and I finally got to the point where I had to make a decision. I had to choose the most important things and focus on them. And Tammy would come to me, or Aaron would come to me, and Amanda would come to me, and there'd be a problem, and I did this, and I did this, just, and Aaron remembers this, I did this. And this little symbol was a symbol of a plate. And I looked at them and I says, this is my plate, and I can only fit so much on that plate. And what you're bringing me right now is not on my plate. You see, Jeremiah could only put so much on his plate. He had to make a decision. I'm either going to focus on how bad things are, or I'm going to choose to focus on how great God is. And as you are walking through a brand new year, let me give you a leadership principle. You have only one plate, and you and I have got to make a decision every single day what is on that plate and what is not on that plate. Now, some of you have a plate that's too full. And in 2020, you need to get rid of some things on your plate because your plate can only handle so much. Now, there's some of you that are here today and you don't have anything on your plate. It's time for you maybe to step up. It's time for you maybe to get involved a little bit more. It's time for you to maybe take on a responsibility here at the church, volunteering in your community. Some of you have got an empty plate, and you need to put a little on your plate. There's some of you have a full plate, and you need to make a choice of what's going to be on your plate and what you're going to deal with as you approach a brand new year. Can I get an amen? amen. You've only got one plate, and you've got to make the decision between what is good and what is great. And Jeremiah made a beautiful choice. He said this, I'm not going to put on my plate the pain I'm feeling, the heartache I'm dealing with, the suffering that I'm going through. I'm not going to put that on my plate. I'm going to put on my plate, and I'm going to focus on God's goodness because his faithfulness is great, and it starts with a choice. 
Are y'all with me this morning? You've got to choose. Just like Jeremiah, he could have loaded his plate with the hardship and the pain and the suffering and the heartache and the disappointments of life, but he made the decision, I'm going to choose and I'm going to put on my plate just a few things and I'm going to choose to focus on the goodness of God. And when I remember God's goodness, I have hope. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, I want you to keep this plate this week because there's going to be some people that are going to come to you and they're going to try to dump some of their responsibilities on your plate. And you're going to respond just like I did at Miami South Memorial Hospital. I've only got a plate and it's that big and what you're bringing me is not on my plate. There is something liberating when you prioritize your life and you focus on the thing that really matters. And at that moment in time, the things that were coming to me didn't fit on my plate because I made a choice to focus on God's goodness. And you've got to make that same choice. Can I get an amen? amen. Number three. This is my last point. God's faithfulness is great when life is bad. Number two, God's faithfulness is great when we choose to remember God's goodness. And then number three, God's faithfulness is great when we seek him daily. Everyone say daily. daily. Look at verse 23. The writer here says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new, what? Every, Every morning. Here it is. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm reminded of the story of the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 16. Bruce, if you'll go to the keyboard. God says, I'm going to feed you quail and manna every day. Now, now how many know that would be pretty cool to have God feed you every single day? Do you know what the temptation was for most of those children of Israel? Moses says, I want you to get enough manna and enough quail to feed you and your family for one day. Everybody put your finger up one day. You know what we do? Yeah, we bring our grocery cart. I know some of y'all got those Publix bags in the back of your trunk. I know Tammy's got like 50 of them. And we, we bring our shopping cart. We bring our Publix bag. And what do we want to do? We want to bulk up. Folks, this is not Costco or Sam's. God's trying to teach them a principle, and the principle is this. I want you to discover my goodness. I want you to discover my faithfulness, and I want you to come to me every day. This is not Costco. This is not something you bulk up and, 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 and get enough to last you through the month. Watch this. God wants you to develop a relationship where you see his faithfulness every single day. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And we're trying to hoard up enough goodness and enough faithfulness to last us through the month. And God says, that's not the way it's going to be. I want you to come to me every single day, every single morning. Thomas Chisholm wrote, Great is thy faithfulness in 1923. 
you're going to love this. Some of you are going to put a smile on your face when I say this. He was a Methodist pastor. <laughs> but his story is a story of struggle. The story of heartache. The story of, of pain. When he read Lamentations chapter 3, and he saw that God's mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He wrote it out of pain and heartache. You see, he was only in ministry for one year. And he had to get out of ministry because of his health. He struggled year after year after year. Struggling with his health. Struggling in relationships. Struggling with paying the bills. And yet, in spite of all that, Thomas Chisholm knew that God's faithfulness was great. When he was 75 years old, listen to this. I love this. He says this. My income has not been large at any time due to impaired health in earlier years, which has followed me on until now. Although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God and that he has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. He was a poet. He wrote over 1,200 poems. Many of them were rejected until he sent. Great is thy faithfulness to a friend of his who worked for Moody Bible Institute. This became the favorite hymn of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. And then one day, a struggling evangelist by the name of Billy Graham started singing. And all his crusades, the beautiful hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and it became a great anthem of the church today. Thank you, Thomas Chisholm, for writing Great is Thy Faithfulness. I told you that for 40 days straight when Austin was in a coma, I would go to his room and I would sit in his room and the first hymn that I wanted to write about was, Great is Thy Faithfulness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to you. This was written on October 15th. I'm sitting behind Austin, and I'm seeing machines, cords, nurses, doctors. You could hardly see his face. He was so covered up with medical instruments. And I wrote this hymn, and this is what I wrote on October 15th, 2019. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. That's relationship. There is no shadow of turning with thee. That's stability. Thou changest not thy compassions. 